Damon, uh, I think we're just about ready. If you could just go over there in the corner real quick. Just go ahead and uh, well, go over there in the corner. Sorry, I. Um, we have a tradition in my family. Uh, my dad always uh, told me that I wasn't... I'm the youngest in my family, I should specify. Okay, okay, okay. Um, so I don't actually feel comfortable for just traditional just get- reasons of, of being in the corner as the baby okay. of my family. Okay, so what you're saying is... I don't think that anyone has the right. In a way, you could say nobody Uh has the ability or uh, heretofore... Wherewithal. Yeah, uh, to put me in a corner. So... That's what I would declare to someone. Don't... Don't place... The youngest child of a generation. In... The place, right? And where 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 walls where walls meet at a ninety degree angle. I, I messed up the joke. Damn it! Was it a joke though? <laughs> I mean, in the sense that we create those. <laughs> on this podcast <laughs> in as much as we ever tell jokes <laughs> true oh uh, you know what by that standard yes hey welcome to your inner child is an idiot this is the podcast where we look back on things from our childhood and see if they're any good my name's dj this quizzical looking man over here it's not important what i look like because our <laughs> listeners won't know i'm damon thank you for having me <laughs> you're welcome welcome to your show that you co-host <laughs> with me today we're gonna look at uh, a little little movie, a little movie from the 80s called Dirty Dancing. Ooh, okay. Now, I, we're, we're I got about to get a little randy. I got here. the Pure Flix version, so I just got dancing. So, I'm sure that's a great joke, but what is that? Oh, <laughs> Mormons have their own company that edits uh, the hell out of, okay. out of okay. movies you might enjoy otherwise. So, also known as what ABC Family does, if you see them on the... True, but usually it's not to stick a commercial, the same commercial for that that show, The Nine Lives of What's-Her-Face. This is probably 20, 20 years from now, or 20 years ago at this point, but she had like the powers of a cat, but not like Catwoman, because that's a, the intellectual property of a, another corporation. Sure, sure, so she, sure. her claws, her nails grew really long, and she could fall from great heights. Those are the two things she took from being... Yeah. She was also surly and uh, slept 16 hours a day. I, You know, I kind of want to know sometimes um, the story behind where they choose to put the commercial breaks because sometimes it's not that noticeable. I mean, other than you're watching what should be an uninterrupted movie, but they put commercial breaks. Um, because I believe in most movies, there are places where it will work fine. Uh, but it seems like sometimes they don't put – any thought into it or they don't have any like choice at it has to come at 13 minutes and 36 seconds into the movie or something because it's like someone will be in the middle of a sentence they'll be like nobody puts baby in the and dr shoals is you know what i mean like <laughs> i like that i like that dr shoals took the tact of starting commercials in the middle of a sentence <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and Doctor Scholes. Well, now I'm definitely confused. I don't know where baby is being put, and I feel like Doctor Scholes was in the middle of a thought. Doctor Scholes, why don't you just start over? You've got you have the floor now for the next. No, 30 no, seconds. I only paid for the thirty seconds. I'll be seeing my way out. 
Every, everyone knows that commercials during Dirty Dancing are like the Super Bowl. It's just real expensive. You got to get to the point. The the the, the commercials during Dirty a uh, re-airing of Dirty Dancing on a Saturday morning. Uh, <laughs> that's that's the that's the prime real estate. I wish I wish in this era of capitalism that movies would keep in mind that they will one day be replayed on TV yeah. and maybe at, at the, you know, six minute point, they just have a character restate what the plot was just in case when it's replayed later, we'll all be able to have it on the same page. So, you know, it cuts back from the Dr. Scholl's commercial and, you know, Johnny Swayze or whatever the fuck his character's name is in this, uh, is just like, anyway, as I was saying, character actor, Jerry Orbach, your daughter, who you call baby, don't put her in a corner. She's you currently want, in a corner, I should add. You want you want a movie that's more like an episode of The Bachelor, where they tell you what's about to happen after the break, then you have the break, and then when you come back from the break, they tell you what happened before the break, what's about to happen, and then what happens happens. And then it turns out this is a two-part episode. Yeah, and what actually happens later that they've been teasing for these last 15 or so minutes actually happens in the next episode. You know who's actually really good at this? Terry Gross is great at at this. Uh, she always just interrupts the interview, brings it to a halt, and says, let me introduce you real quick again. I'm talking to... Gary Spitzer, the former deputy uh, acting secretary of defense. So they could do that. They could have Terry Gross interrupt (laughs) interrupt every movie to say, let me just re-summarize what's going on here. Uh, It's the 1960s, and Baby has learned uh, sensuous dancing. Mm. Uh, And her father, Jerry Orbach, isn't pleased and has placed her in a table near the corner of the room. Let's get back to our scene. Um, well, you recapped that really well, because I actually don't remember much about what this movie is about, but uh, you, you, uh, they're at, like, are they at like a camp or something? Yeah, they're, uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's like the family goes away, like in uh, Miss Maisel. They, they went out to... Okay, uh, the Hamptons or whatever. Not the Hamptons. Where's... Uh, Poconos. The Mount Everest. Poconos, or what's the one... Um, Pyrenees. No, the Pyrenees Mountains. <laughs> Miss Maisel, the whole family is packing up for the summer. We're going to the Pyrenees Mountains on the border of Spain and France. Hop the into the Woody. Um, Swiss Alps. <laughs> what's the uh, Adirondacks? No. What's the one that all the uh, like the 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 comedy comes from? The Jewish that, comedy, like, there's a whole, cat like, skills. cat skills. Why did that take me so long? Usually I'm an old soul, and that just pops right out. <laughs> um, yeah, you, I, you, it feels like cat skills are, are something you've been referencing since you were, like, four years old, not knowing at all what they were, like, what that means. Yeah. Um, when I was a kid, I would say, take my teddy bear, please. <laughs> and then put out my cigar, and my dad would be like, where the fuck did he get that? What else is in the news? But you're reading one of those like inflatable books you take in the bathtub. <laughs> they have the crinkly pages. Yeah, yeah. We got anyone here from the playroom tonight? Anyone? Mom? Um, Jason? All right. <laughs> well, you're the only two you're of the, the only, only three people I know. So, Dad's um, watching Ironsides on TV. So it's <laughs> it's just us up here. This this was a little bit because this came out what eighty seven? I think so. So we were a little bit young. Like, we would have been really young when we saw I mean, I definitely remember this. It's got dirty in the title. You stay away, young man. But it's not It's not like it was formative for me. I think it was more f- formative in the sense that 
it was very much in the culture. You know, the the lift, the big lift. Yeah. When he's the babies, holding, the corners. Babe, nobody puts baby in the corner and the abortion. No, I had the time of my life. So you're gonna do the Jennifer Warren's part. I never Okay, isn't it around? Yes, yeah, it's, it's not it like row, Michael, row your Michael boat. Bo- row your boat ashore. Michael row your boat ashore. I don't think that's the song to <laughs> <laughs> reference. It's got the fucking rowing, but it does have the row. You know, you you did you did nail it down there. Uh, Was I, this I, like a big deal for you? Uh, I know that my mom watched this a lot, which yeah. now knowing more of the plot, I am surprised by. Right. Um, but conservative lady, she is, and it includes both the dancing that is dirty hmm. and the abortion that is a sin. It's one of those movies, though, that I feel like we watched a lot, or she would watch whenever it was she would catch it on TV and she would watch it to the end. Um, so it feels like a movie that I have probably seen every scene of, but never in the order in which the director intended. Okay, so I feel like I'll right. be watching this, I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, okay, yeah, there's no surprises here, okay. It was always probably because it was like a, um, like it seems like a movie that my mom and sister would have watched. I, I dismissed it as like a soap opera kind of movie. Like it just Yeah, like, I think I dismissed it as a mom movie, yeah. Yeah, like this is about a couple and dancing. I don't care about any of that. But now I'm like, I want to hear some uh, Bill Medley realness singing this, <laughs> singing this duet. I want to hear that epic saxo. I remember my brother also had the soundtrack. No, yeah. I, and my I, favorite part is... Okay. <laughs> I remember my brother also had the soundtrack to this movie. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I do appreciate that the soundtrack makes no effort to sound like it's set in the 60s. Yeah. That, Get a yeah, sax solo in here. Who cares? <laughs> I want saxes in the 60s. They certainly did. Did they have them in rock songs just as solos? I mean, that... That sounded know. like that? What's the one that the the sister sings like a goofy kind of song, doesn't she? Um, yeah, I don't remember what the song. I is. I I can place the scene, but I can't place the song. Cause she, it's like a hula, maybe like a like a kind of. Yeah, maybe. Probably some uh, cultural appropriation that we're gonna <laughs> notice now that we definitely didn't when we were five. What was wrong with me, five year old me? Yeah, I feel like this movie, and it could be just like the general nostalgia of. People our age, a little older, a little younger, like getting older. But like, I feel like this movie's had like a resurgence, like of popularity the last few years. Is that wrong? Like, partially, you know, there was a Crazy Stupid Love with uh, the very handsome people, uh, Ryan Gosling and Emma, Emma Stone. Stone and and, my, and they, Steve Carell. They do the lift. Like that's his. Uh, that's his like dating move. Is he's like I can do the lift from Dirty Dancing, and then they do it. I've never like, seen that movie, so I have no, uh, I can't me, place that. Let me tell you a secret. Um, I think it's great. I love that movie. <laughs> Would recommend it. All right, this then. Was, yeah, I'm, I, I no longer think uh, all movies that are uh, about couples are mom movies. So Sometimes they're you movies. Sometimes they're, they're for you. We got, we got Jennifer Grey. We got Patrick Swayze at peak Swayze, or at least near peak Swayze. I mean, this is, I think, is Roadhouse already done at this point, or is this pre-Roadhouse? I feel like this is pre-Roadhouse, isn't it? I've also never seen Roadhouse. But I think it is also after Point Break, no? 
I don't know. It, it definitely, I feel like it's before Ghost because Ghost was like early 90s. Right? G- Ghost is 1990. Okay. Hold on. I'm looking him up. Uh, Dirty Dancing is 87. Roadhouse is 89. Point Break is 91 later than I thought. And of course, Ghost is 90. Okay. Was this his like bursting on the scene? This might be his bursting on the scene because he was a dancer. I think he was sort of a a dancer by trade. What are we going to see here? Do you think we're going to experience like a good movie or what do you think we're in for? I'm just saying, like, I'm, let's, I'm, let's make some predictions here. <laughs> um, I think we are going to see a uh, good-ish movie. Okay. That's my right. prediction. I am interested in the abortion storyline, which I don't think registered uh, when I was a kid, um, right. naturally, but, uh, I am curious of that aspect, um, especially like in the eighties, but also in a, in the eighties, looking back on the fifties and sixties. So I'm curious right. about that. And I want to see how dirty this dancing might get. I feel like it's not that dirty to me. I think it's just going to be maybe. like, Oh, they're sort of just dancing. Like we all dance these For days, the, but what, you know, with the, what the with the short skirts and the tank tops. Oh yeah. Leave Put room on for some slaves, Bible. you two. Wait, which <laughs> way is the Bible? Is the Bible just like if the Bible was pressed against it's my open. belly and my partner's belly, or is it? Oh, it's open and it's lay an open flat. Bible. Yeah, leave room. Leave room for an open Bible, <laughs> which is a good. You know, it depends on what size the Bible is. Honestly, that's true. Those Let's Gideon say, Bibles, you're still pretty close. Yeah, get Let's a good wank in underneath the Bible. <laughs> Okay, so we're going to watch a Dirty Dancing. Dirty Dancing. I've, I've given up on trying to figure out where we're going to watch it. We'll find it. Use your, use your uh, search engine of choice. Go on uh, DuckDuckGo. Go on uh, What's uh, that? Opera. Mm-hmm. Go on um, You Bing It. Probably Bing It. Just hop um, on there and Bing It. Probably Lycos It. <laughs> we're going to watch the movie. We'll be back in a sec. I like that. Oh no! Oh no! It goes up chromatically to the fifth. Yeah. I see it now that you've demonstrated it. That I see the fifth in your hand. (laughs) Faces, guitar faces. You actually look like uh, one of those pictures of those guys in the depression right now. You know, where they their teeth and dolls sort of fallen away, and so their face sort of collapses on itself. Looks like an old baseball mitt. Kind of looks like that. It's a little out of tune, but, you know, it's rock and roll. <laughs> I'm going to talk to you like baby, and you're going to respond using verbatim the words that Jerry Orbach uses in response to her when they're talking at the gazebo. Do do I uh, need to look those up, or should I have those memorized? He literally says nothing, so you've already got it memorized. Okay, great. DJ, DJ, I know you're disappointed in me. I know that I've done some things that I'm not proud of. Yeah, that's perfect. Looked wistfully onto the lake. That's perfect. But, you know, you've done things that you're not proud of either. But I know one thing you are proud of. Donating to your inner child is an idiot. Getting a becoming a patron for for the podcast. Uh, you know, joining on different levels. You know, getting getting your name read in the credits. Getting your name typed in the credits. 
you know, getting a drawing from Damon, maybe a song from DJ, or maybe a drawing from DJ and a song from Damon. But hey, thanks again for checking up my friend who got a botched abortion. And for watching me grind up on Patrick Swayze at the end of season mixer. And then grinding up on mom? And then there's that old couple of stealing wallets? What was that about? Dad? Anything? Guess not. Bye, Dad. <laughs> this is a terrible commercial. I'm just working on my eyebrows this whole time. The He's got great bar- eyebrows. Bar- He's got those bar- those eyebrows that that arch in the the latter the latter third yeah. of the brow. I've got so I've got the the volume. I don't have the arc. No, I don't yeah, have the, like the shape. You're gonna have to. You're gonna want to get surgery. Let me just put some dotted lines on your forehead where where they're gonna want to cut. We are back. We watch Dirty Dancing, starring me as Jerry Orbach. <laughs> starring you as Jerry Orbach as Dr. Hausen. As Yes. Uh, starring Patrick Swayze, uh, uh, Jennifer Grey, um, a young Wayne Knight. I learned from this movie that I can recognize Wayne Knight by sound alone. Yes. He has I was a like, very distinctive is that voice. Wayne's, Wayne Knight's voice on the air? Ah, ah, ah. Um, okay dan why don't you recap this movie for us real quick and go dj happily will i recap this this is a story of baby hausman she's going to the catskills for uh you know the summer it's 1963 president kennedy is still breathing uh still got his head in one piece um while she's there though she discovers a type of dancing Type of oh. dirty dancing. Oh. Yeah. Um, Didn't put that together when I watched. <laughs> oh, this is the dancing from the title. Oh. That's what they were talking about. I get it now. You thought it was going to be about mud wrestling. Yeah. You thought it was quite literal dirty I dancing. I thought it was like, I thought it was actually more metaphorical. I thought it was just like what they call gambling, dirty dancing. <laughs> Anyway, uh, one of the professional uh, dancers there at the club, Johnny Castle, and his partner, I want to say Penny. Anyway, Penny gets into a spot of trouble because she's been having an on and off sexual relationship uh, with Robbie, one of the waiters, and she needs an abortion. But abortion is still illegal in the state of New York. Baby gets her money, gets the money for the abortion from her father. But, oh no, twist, Johnny needs a partner for... The uh, mambo he's been hired to do with Penny. He's got a gig. He's got a gig. At the, other, at the other resort. So, baby, 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 steps in for Penny, does the mambo with him, but lo and behold, they fall in love together. Mm-hmm. They fall in love together. What? <laughs> well, um, anyway. It's uh, not you wrong know, so much as stupidly phrased. <laughs> what? <laughs> they, uh, you know, they fall in love together uh, simultaneously. One could say they fell in love at uh, each other, <laughs> and you know, eventually there's a wrong side of the tracks sort of thing going on. And uh, you know, eventually they dance at the end of season mm. mixer, therefore for solidifying their relationship for years to come. We've learned if there's anything I've learned from movies is that talent shows solve everything. If anything, if life has taught me anything, it's the person you were with at 17 is the person you'll be with for the rest that of your life. That you met at uh, literally a summer camp. 
We all know summer camp romances are forever. I will say this. I'm just going to start right at the top. Instant goodwill for me with the song choices. Because they start... I don't remember what the first song is, but they, they have, they have a, a... It's kind of a weird amalgam of... Won't You Be My Baby is not the first song, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. Be my, be my, be, be my, my little, little baby. That's enough before we have to pay. They have some period-appropriate songs, but then they also have a lot of 80s songs. Like Not for, even making the, the the barest glimpse of an attempt to like do yeah. something in the style of an early 60s song. They're just like, fuck it. Sax solo, synthesizer. Bring it on. Bring in another synthesizer. I don't care. <laughs> Put chorus on every fucking instrument. Give me that that electric piano. Do not move that. That's going to be in every song. <laughs> yeah, you might as well just nail it down to the studio floor because <laughs> it's staying. Same with the sax. Even though you don't play a sax like that, I want it yeah. nailed to the floor. Just leave it up on that stand. When you're done with your break, you come up, you just you just start playing. I don't know. I, and this is maybe just a, me loving this kind of music and music in general. Is like If you start with a good song, I'm already like more inclined to be on your side. Now, I've seen this movie before, but it's been a long time, so it's like, I just need that, you know, that little nudge. You play a good song at the beginning. I'm like, okay, here we go. This might not be a total slog, so I'm excited about it. You're won over by this soundtrack. <laughs> as long as this song is an hour and 41 minutes long, this <laughs> no, you movie can do no wrong. You gotta be careful, because they do already, like, when they first show, I think it's just babies walking around or something, they start hinting at Oh, uh, they start playing <laughs> some of those chords, that electric piano with the chorus and the chords and the, you know, hitting that E. It's called a light motif. Then you know, they're just, they're just introducing minor. it there. And they're hitting that D. That's that flat seven. That's the one you were not expecting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but they start, they start and we're like already getting that. And you can overdo that. It's like, uh, I think we remember this from Top Gun. I don't know if you remember, like every time... Kelly McGillis and Tom Cruise are together. They're like, bow, 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 bam. And I was like, okay, look, there are other songs. Uh, but you don't you want, you when the, when the song actually finally plays at the end, it's like slipping into a warm bath. I think it works in this movie. I was just saying an example of it not working would be Top Gun, where it was like, it felt more like a hammer over the head as opposed to a nice nod to the future. You know, hey, you're going to get, you're going to get a sweet 80s song later, okay? So just Sorry. hold tight. So hold tight. Hold tight through this doo-wop crap, and we're going to get the synths in here in a minute. We're going to bring it to the modern age. I don't know what accent I'm doing. It was Uh, was like whatever halfway between Long Island and Boston is. Connecticut? Connecticut? Catskills are weird, right? This whole thing is weird. I remember watching Miss Maisel, where they have a whole at least half of a season where they're in the goddamn cat skills. And I remember being like, well, how does this work again? Yeah. You just all leave town for three months. So did you, did you research any of that at all? Cause I looked I up a not. little bit. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm th- I think it's fine. That's not, but that's like not in the Ms. purview Maisel, of this show. In Miss Maisel, her father is a college professor and her mom is a socialite, so they have no jobs to like in the summer, so they right. can go to the Catskills for a week. I guess it is hinted in this because he's a um, doctor. Well, yeah, Hausman is a doctor, and I don't know how long they're actually staying there. Right? Does this take place over one week? It kind of seems like it. But we also hear about bungalow bunnies from the owner of the of the yeah. resort, who says, you know, sometimes the wife will come and stay the entire fucking summer and the husband will just come on the weekend, yeah. presumably working. 
Um, it's a summer thing, and I'm sure it's it varies. You know how long right. people stay, but so. I looked at like I'm by no means I'm an expert on this, but I was curious, and so Lauren and I both like were like, "What is the deal with this?" Because I had the same thing where I watched see what is that season two of Marvelous Mrs. Maisel where they go to the Catskills and they're like, "Oh, it's like a summer camp." They like pack for like everybody? on on Miss Maisel at least they pack like for months of clothes. And I was you know vaguely aware of hearing about the Catskills. So how it started, it seems like how it started was there were many resorts that would not allow Jewish people to come. And uh-huh. so it was a way, it was like they kind of, uh, a lot of the Jewish uh, people were like, formed their own community, a vacation community, as uh, people were able to become more affluent, had this like time off and the money to spend, and it became, and it grew and grew. And by the 60s, which is like the height, and also towards the like, when it began to be, you know, uh, yeah, they fall hinted off of that it. at the end of this. Yeah, that was kind of like, well, oh, people don't come up here anymore. And I think that was like because it's the '80s when this movie takes place. They know that like by the '80s, Catskills aren't really a thing like they were in the '60s. It's like those scenes whenever you watch a period movie. There's always like <laughs> someone filming something with an old timey camera, and they're like, oh, that will never catch on. No one wants to look at moving pictures anymore. It was in Dracula t- typewriter. What a ridiculous <laughs> contraption! And it's like, shut up! You're being so obnoxious, and you know you are. It's like some some movies with a twist when you're like, yeah, I guess that meant something the whole time. It's like, you wrote it! Yes! <laughs> it's literally not a coincidence because you wrote this script. Oh, Duque yeah. is angry at the concept of creative writing. I am mad at fiction. Uh, was no. that? Foreshadowing? It's like you knew it was going to happen. <laughs> so... That's how like the the Cascos began, and then by this point in the early '60s, it was like it was huge, and it was like all all the affluent um, Jewish uh, families from New York, especially, would just because it was like a couple hours or an hour and a half or something car ride from New York. And of course, as the you know as the affluent families drive up and they spend all their money, then the resort has more money, they invest more money, so it becomes more and more like elaborate as it goes along. So that that kind of made sense to me, and that's also where we get like the Borscht Belt. The humor, and that was kind of like what Maisel played into, and they have that, that like that Catskills humor, which can be code for derogatorily, you know, Jewish humor, but also has like that Borscht Belt, like the kind of cheesy, well, like late night. Well, Wayne Knight has a has like a has a bit, um, yeah, in the middle of this. This is very like Borscht Belt type uh, type humor, which is like you know he ends up dating a girl that reminds him of his mother, and he takes him takes her home, and his father doesn't like her, and it's like. <laughs> <laughs> Women are the worst, am I right, women? I hate the woman I'm married to. Please. Is that how it goes? <laughs> Please. <laughs> I mean, this, the, I, I did, I mean, I, it was very obvious to me that, that the family was Jewish, and it was interesting how the movie doesn't, certainly doesn't hide it, but also doesn't underscore it. Right. Um, I was reading a few articles, or pieces of articles, um, <laughs> I certainly didn't read a full <laughs> article. Um, that would be absurd. Who has the time? A paragraph. That's all I'm giving you. If you can't hook me there, I'm out. I'll give you half a headline. If I get to this prepositional phrase and I am not into this, if I am not hooked, a I swear to God. dependent clause? Grow up. <laughs> but the person who wrote it, Eleanor Bergstein, she says, it's a very Jewish movie if you know where to look. With a scene, there's a, there's a brief scene with um, Baby with the grandson of the owner of the resort 
um, they're in the kitchen. And I think it, while I was watching with Tyler, I was like, how much matzo can one kitchen have? There's just like every shot, every angle they cut to, there was another and different brand of matzo in the background. I was like, all right, that's enough. Yeah, the movie, uh, uh, it was interesting that the movie doesn't like really uh, rest on that. But if you know, you know, it's like one of those yeah. things. Can we talk about our leads really quick? Yes. While we're still at the beginning of this? Yeah. I really like Jennifer Grey in this movie. Yeah. She's surprisingly like 27 years old. She looks age-appropriate casting, but she's like 10 years older than her character. She's supposed to be 17. She looks... I think part of it is that I think based on wide shots, she's very short. Yeah. But she just has a very babyish face. Yeah. She really captures... I don't think the movie... The movie never like condescends to her or anything, but she... She tiptoes this line of being very, like, smart while also yeah. being very naive, and it never yes. tips over into being, like, a dumb kid yeah. or also being, like, a pretentious jackass. She she walks that fine line. The movie, the, the script seems to walk that fine line, and it just reminded me of how obnoxious I must have been when I was 18. Right. Um, but well, she, she, she's she, absolutely great. She does a good job. They, they're hitting on a, a piece of being young that happens with a lot of people but that a lot of movies don't touch on which is the idealism and the sort of like self-righteous idealism like which in her case is like it actually manifests mostly in good ways right although you know it which is that she sees someone in trouble and she wants to help however she can and maybe she's naive about what that help means or that you know that help might lead to other things or you know the strata the social strata how that plays in but she i, I think that's a really great thing about you know, teenagers, young people, is they see the world and they're like, this isn't how it should be. Right. And I'm going to do something about it. And like, I think over time, I try to hold on to that aspect, but it gets like, you know, beaten out of you over and over again by the way thing, by the way the world is. And I think in the best cases, you can still hold on to some of that. But like, that is a very touching part of her being a teenager is that she's like, no, this is wrong. And I just think, I, I don't know, I think a lot of movies would treat her more you know, like stupid. She's a stupid kid, and and it. I think it, it does a good job of towing that line. Yeah. Of like on the other hand, with day. with uh, Johnny Castle, Johnny Castle. This is his name, which is a ludicrous name. Uh, Patrick Swayze. I couldn't tell. Like I always, I kept like bouncing back and forth. I couldn't tell if he was giving a terrible performance or quite possibly the best performance <laughs> of all time, um, because like half the time I was like, "Do you hate?" her like even after they had had sex i'm like you hate her right and then like the next scene they'd you know be back in bed or you know being flirty and i'm like oh you don't hate her okay i i think i understand but i think that's another like strength of the script like there's a scene after they have sex for the first time after they go to pound town um mm-hmm. they meet up with penny who's still recuperating and they have like this weird awkwardness and at first i was like oh no he's like he regrets the whole thing and uh this whole relationship's going to fall apart and I think in a way he does, like, he's still debating whether he regrets it or not. Right. But I think I'm just, like, too old to remember. I mean, their their whole relationship, like, took a complete, like, 180 at that point. And I think that's another thing you don't often see in movies, which is, you know, dealing with the the actual awkwardness of, like, oh, we just had sex. All right. Right, right. And especially the way their relationship progresses, it's, like, a complete 
turn on a dime where they literally were just dance partners. And then, you know, that thing that that's brought many a couple together is a third party's uh, botched abortion. And then, you know, (laughs) before you know it, you're in each other's arms. Tale as old as time. (laughs) Also the original story of beauty and the beast. Yeah. (laughs) But he, he, he has such volatile mood swings, which at first like got on my nerves. And then I think I was just like, you know what, this seems to be his character, and yeah. I kind of liked it. And I think in the end what I realized is that this is a story of two idiots falling in love. One, a right. temporary idiot in Jennifer Grey, and that she's just a young kid who's you yeah. know an idealist and st- still figuring out how the world works. And then Johnny Castle, who's a tried-and-true idiot. And I'm just like, yeah, this seems right. This is how idiots fall in love. They just sort right. of, like, fall into it. <laughs> well, I think I think there's there's a few things, like... He his character is like you said, kind of a little dumb and just like a hot, cocky, you know, dumb, dumb. Just well, like, cocky when necessary, and other times like completely like beaten down by the world. Yeah, uh, yeah, guy. And, Which also like, yeah. I mean, it's not something you see in movies, but is fairly true to life. Like he's probably right. cocky because the world has beaten him down, and he's yeah. not confident in himself. Well, you know, and all that cockiness is is masking insecurity. I mean, that's right. what that's for. Um, that's why then, we made it. <laughs> that's why we made it. But he also is, you know, explicitly not supposed to be dating her. Like he is, you know, been told like from the beginning, he's, which is a little, I got a little bit confused by the conflict. I eventually figured it out, which is that like, cause the grandpa is immediately trying to hook the guests up with his, uh, grandson who runs the resort and then also the waiter because those are the wait staff is like the good kids. Well, yeah, the, the, there's a brief scene and I only caught it the second time I was watching what was happening, but there's a brief scene where Jennifer Grey's is sort of walking around the, like the sort of, I want to say community center, but it's a resort, yeah. the ballroom or whatever. And she hears uh, Mr. Kellerman, Kellerman? Yeah. Talk and Kellerman is the, the the guy who owns the resort. He's talking to the wait staff and he's like, "All you Yale boys and Harvard boys, I want you to show the girls a good time, even the dogs." Like he's coaching them. And then that's the first time we see Johnny Castle. He comes in from the back with his with his team with his tight shirts and rolled up sleeves and sunglasses. It's nighttime, Johnny. Come on, take the sunglasses off. I don't know what side of the tracks he came from, but it wasn't the right side. <laughs> I would say left side of the tracks, <laughs> but then a Kellerman like immediately turns because these, these are like poorer people. These are like the staff. Like these are right. like, they're not, you know, the kids who are just doing it for their summer job to hook up they're with the girls on the golf course. Yeah, the, yeah. Like towns versus gowns type deal. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he immediately takes a turn like hands off the customers. Yeah. But there also seemed, I couldn't, there's also like this implicit weird I don't know. There's this weird thing of the 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 bunnies where yeah. it seems like everyone knows exactly what's happening. Yeah, um, it's like a prostitution situation. Yeah, he's being paid by the husband to go show his wife a good time so that she stays the fuck away from the craps table while I'm playing. I guess. Yeah, yeah. That was weird. That's weird. I mean, but I'm, also there's an understanding, like even yeah. at the 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 first dance scene where where they're dancing with with the guests. I don't know. Kellerman is watching him and he's like, yeah, this is exactly what's supposed to happen here. Yeah. This is what, these are what the uh, bungalow bunnies are supposed to be doing. When that, I called him old man Catskill, by the way. (laughs) But there's a, uh, like he's in the first dance scene, Johnny and Penny. We were right. Okay. Johnny and Penny 
do this like performative dance together. They do like, it was like a, really a salsa elaborate, or something, which I thought like it seemed very planned. Like obviously they had worked this dance out and it was like to the song, but then old man Casco was mad about it <laughs> and I couldn't quite figure it out, but I guess it's cause he wanted him, he wanted them to be dancing with the guests. Right. They're not supposed to be showing off. That's what his, his grandson says at least is like, that's okay. not going to sell any dance lessons cause everyone will be too intimidated. I think was the, the implication there. Hmm. Okay. Well, and just to get back to Swayze and, and playing Johnny, the, the third thing about him is that I am also not sure it was like a home run performance. I think it's iconic, and I think he did a pretty good job, but I also think some of the like more nuancy moments were maybe like he has like a turn left or turn right kind of acting style, like earnest or cocky. And so right. like this sort of like playing the in-between zone is not really his wheelhouse. And so it's like, okay, all right, that's fine. You know? Yeah. I think I, Take I agree. I think, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think I agree with you that I think he has a very limited range and the fact that he already could dance was like, yeah. great. You're halfway great there. Can you say lines? <laughs> Can you memorize Kinda. lines? Um, yeah. Um, if you sort of feed him to me in pieces, one last yeah. note, can my character be named Patrick as well? <laughs> Cause then I think I'm just going to hit this right. Actually, out of the park. Your, your character's name is Johnny. Oh, I like that. <laughs> yeah. What if his last name was another word we're already familiar with? Like Johnny, Johnny Castle. Johnny yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Let me ask you an important question. Yes. A lot of dancing in this movie which is great i knew that going yeah. in i mean it's something told me that there was going to be dancing in this movie which dancing would you say is the dirty dancing that's a great question um the mambo didn't seem to be that offensive because they're doing it for old people and the cat right. skills so that didn't seem to bother teaching anyone. everyone the meringue it's not the meringue yeah uh even though jennifer gray can't even do the no. meringue so that doesn't seem to be the problem i guess it's just the grinding to be my baby um, where you just sort of ride someone's thigh for a yeah, little bit. Yeah, I think the only real dirty dancing is that scene in the, by the way, in COVID times, the grossest uh, triggering scene, which is when they're all just like, oh, the yeah. staff is all in this like sweaty lounge, just grind. And they're doing like full on grinding, especially for 1963. It's dirty. Oh yeah, this dancing is dirty. Sometimes the guy would crouch down and just sort of ruffle her dress while she was dancing. Absurd. As if giving cunnilingus. As <laughs> if in the fashion of cunnilingus. I remember the first time that I... Uh, um, oh, wow. That Go I on. Uh, got in a dancing situation. <laughs> got to get to the direct object of the sentence. A, a, I was in a, uh, an aggressive dancing situation uh, with a, a girl. And uh, I... That's the I sequel, remember, right? Aggressive yes. dancing? I remember this was well before I had actually had sex. And I remember thinking, well, I'm basically having sex. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, Tick oh that no. Box. <laughs> oh, because then your other body yes. parts were like, we're, we're having, having sex? sex? Excuse me? You rang? Hello, I heard about sex here, maybe? Like, like he needed any prompting. When you're 17, yeah, if you exactly. just open it. If you enter a new room, he's like, what's is this? That, is there sex is in this that room, Coca-Cola? Yeah, what does that have to do with you? Get out of here. Uh, <laughs> sorry, we can cut that. Um, Why are you so prepared? It's never <laughs> happened before. <laughs> Gotta be ready for everything, boss. <laughs> Can happen at any moment. It's gonna be a while, sir. 
It's going to be a... Yeah, just you know, take a knee. <laughs> you know? Do you have a knee? <laughs> be weird if you did. I will, so speaking also of dancing, Jennifer Grey does an excellent job of pretending like she can't dance, I think. I think her, like, beginning, because she's really awkward... And then, like, they show her at the very beginning, they're, like, learning the merengue, and she's, like, stepping on everybody's... Until we very early on established that she has no rhythm and can't dance. And so this very notion is absurd, but whatever. It's the movie. Um, And... It is your favorite premise, which is this ludicrous plan is the the only only plan. plan. You literally just thought of it. How do you know it's the only plan? Can we test out other plans? I know know there's a tight timeline. Let's take an hour, break into groups spitball for a while come back see if we've got any better ideas greg shades cynthia you take the whiteboard it's presumably a paying Um, gig right let's just put it on the whiteboard yeah and there seems to be like 30 other candidates behind you that seem to be very adept and eager to dance work here damon that's true we all work here no Um, one's got thursday off no one (laughs) <laughs> You're all working on Thursday. But you have to learn the moves. That's the other thing. You have to learn the whole routine. I will say she does that, have the time. Uh, That's true. That tick uh, of movies of like this plan we just came up with is the only plan that will work. I think that it works for me only in the first act. It annoys me in the right. third act. But if it's just like the shot in the ass that yeah. the movie needs, just get into gear. I'm like, fine. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> just get on with it. But if it's at the end and it's like, look, we need to bring Spider-Man and Doctor <laughs> Strange back to life. And this is the only plan that will work. And then someone else is like, should we bring Black Widow to life? And nah. Like, nah, don't worry about her. <laughs> she wants out of her uh, contract. She had to die for, for other reasons. It's not a, it's not a problem. Don't worry about it. Um, that's when I'm like, okay, this is a ludicrous plan. Well, I, I remember that. That's my favorite uh, thing from 24, the show 24. And it got more and more <laughs> absurd as the show went on. But it'd be like, I have to jump out of this helicopter and then straight into a manhole and then luge down the sewers <laughs> into the river. It's the only way. And it was like, Jack, that's the only way. And also, you just thought of it. But it doesn't really bother me so much as I like pointing it out when it happens. No, that's true. We were talking about uh, Jennifer Grey looking awkward when she's learning to dance. She does the, like, like, bossa steps, and she's, like, on a bridge getting mad at herself. You see her getting mad. There's a montage of her learning. Love a montage. I love a montage. I love a bridge as a metaphor between Mm. classes. Mm. Um, A footbridge. That's a goddamn Uh, good metaphor. I do like her faux bad dancing job. I was scared that it was going to follow like the normal romantic comedy trajectory, which is like she fucks it all up and because he's a hothead, which has already been established. So I was ready for him to like blow up in her face. But he's surprisingly like uh, nice about it. And he's like, no, you were fine. It was great. We did a great job. And she she's sort of beating herself up. But I think like she does a passable enough job that, you know, the audience claps. But you because you've been watching them rehearse. Uh, I just like that. It was like, I've, I think I've been trained by romantic comedies to just expect some sort of, you know, cataclysmic event that, you know, of course drives well, them Well, they apart. even complicate it um, well because they, they show that two people from, that she knows, they had, she had just interacted with. The Schumachers. Yeah, the Schumachers show up. With their sticky fingers. Are they the ones that steal... Yeah, oh. that weird subplot that's just there to like build. That is an example of what's that? 
Well, I guess that's not an example of your thing because that's a, like a planned thing. But it's just it's just this like completely made up subplot to drive Johnny and and Baby apart, yeah. but only for like a few minutes. Right. Yeah. It's completely pointless. I'm like we 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 have like thieving old people who are like running a grift on every Catskills resort, and the movie is about these two attractive white people. Fuck that! I want to follow the shoemakers yeah, around as right. they grift the entire Appalachian Trail. <laughs> well, I think the the point of that of the driving a wedge between it's sort of for a second driving a wedge between them, but also it made it so that Baby had to reveal to her dad that she was with Johnny, right? Because no, I got she it. Was, it. Just seemed like a very it was a roundabout uh, way, arch of way to do it. You could have just like he could have seen them together. Maybe Robbie, <laughs> the guy who's already been established as an asshole, is the one stealing everyone's right. money. Robbie, big fan of the Fountainhead. Oh, Robbie sucks so much. I was surprised does. that Robbie incriminated himself. I was waiting for someone like to out Robbie, but Robbie, Robbie did it himself. He's like, I can handle this. I was the one who impregnated that girl. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, you are an asshole. Okay. As, as Jerry Orbach's literally handing him money, he's like, yeah, I'm a dick. I just wanted to mention that before you handed me a, this like dowry or whatever. It's a letter of recommendation. It wasn't money. Right. But still, yeah. it was a weird moment where it, it was, was like, let's just tie up any loose ends we've got going on here. Thanks for paying for that abortion. <laughs> right? Who would say that? <laughs> we didn't exactly say that, but he basically said that. That problem. We don't call them babies in this, in this day and age. We call them problems. Mm. Mm. I know that you weren't the... What does he say to Johnny at the end? I know you weren't the one who put... Who got Penny in trouble. That's what he said. Mm. Which is, like, true to life, but it was starting to, like, annoy me near the end of the movie. I'm like, all right, stop saying get her in trouble. It's like when a zombie movie won't say zombies. It's like, they're zombies. <laughs> pregnancy. Lucille Ball, it's called a pregnancy. Just let her say it. <laughs> oh, I did want to say, my favorite character, I think, in the whole movie is Billy. Do you remember Billy? Is that the buddy the, that, like, shows her around, carries the watermelons, the watermelon humor? Billy is the guy in a Greek play who just runs into the throne room to say that they lost the battle and Antigone is burying her her brother on the battlefield. Like, he's just there to inform us what's currently going on. Every time we saw him, he was just running up. He's like, Penny just got back from the doctor. She's in a bad way. Come on. And then they run. You know, I imagine now I'm reimagining it as they're all running like Woody from Toy Story with limbs flying every like everywhere like spaghetti noodles. But he was my favorite character because he's served no purpose except story driving he was basically he was the catalyst he was the like how baby got in to that circle because because she helped him with bags and he's like hey you want a job here you're all right and uh, he's played by john travolta in my version <laughs> and then he she helps him carry when they do the nbc live version of dirty dancing john travolta, john travolta will play this 19 year old boy <laughs> he serves as like the connection between her and and between baby and johnny and like when what's the Kellerman grandson's name? Neil. I think. Neil is like, or maybe that's the actor's name. He's like take. Oh, he takes baby. Yeah, Neil. Sorry, Neil Kellerman. Neil takes baby to like get a snack, but that's when baby sees Penny like crying in the corner, and that's when like the beginning of this discovering this issue. It's when we see all the matzah. Yeah, right. And so baby smartly just kind of lures Neil away instead of kind of getting Penny in trouble for, like, being a staff member crying where a guest could see it, um, which I thought was nice and handled relatively nuancedly. And then um, 
nuancedly. Yeah, it's a word. She gets it's the adverb of nuanced. She gets Billy who gets Johnny, which I thought was really redundant. <laughs> like she runs, gets Billy, and then Billy's like, oh, come on, away. And then they both run to get Johnny. And then they're like, all three of us, come on, let's run back to get Penny. It was just like, what are we doing? Are we playing tag right now? I mean, I don't want to get too into the weeds about Billy's contract, but he has a writer that the plot cannot progress unless through him. So it's, so, so, Baby was legally obligated to go, go to him, him so that he can go to Johnny. And it's like one of those weird Hollywood things, but if you go straight to Johnny, he's going to get real uptight, and yeah. it's just going to throw the whole production just Don't look off. at him in the eyes. It's like a manager. you got to go. Th- <laughs> even though the guy's right there, you have to talk to this agent who talks to the manager who talks to the talent. And the talent tells the manager who tells the agent to tell you no. It sounds like someone's worked the cat skills before. <laughs> I had something else to say, but I think it was not as funny as that. So let's just move on. Um, always go where the jokes are. That's how. That's what I learned in the Borscht Belt. <laughs> always mock your wife. Mock your wife. And go where the jokes are. <laughs> uh, I just want to pull out some of the um, contextless favorite lines okay. that I have from this movie. Then we can get right back to the action with Billy. <laughs> if it was not for this man, I'd be standing here dead. Well, that's Mr. Kellerman. I I do like line. when Johnny Castle says, you should take the money to Penny after he just mocked Baby for offering the money. That is a that is like a microcosm of Patrick Swayze's performance. You should take the money. Even though I just yelled at her and humiliated her for yeah. even offering the money, you should take it because that's the smart thing to do. Um, and then... Uh, of course, the late Jerry Orbach, truly a man of genius, I think has my favorite line. Don't tell me what to see. <laughs> what was that in reaction to? <laughs> because at the end, when Johnny has lost his job, um, he's been exonerated from stealing, but he still lost his job for having a relationship with one of the guests. Uh, he goes to sort of... I don't know, one of those straight guy things where he like goes to make right or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, uh, he goes yeah. to, to baby's father We're always doing and, uh, he, he goes up to him and he's like, I, you know, I, I, what does he say? He says something like, I know what you think you see when you see baby. And he starts talking about how he, she's like a bright young woman or whatever. And, and Jerry Orbar cuts him off and says, don't tell me what to see. <laughs> Mr. So ludicrous. What a weird thing. And in, and almost in Jerry Orbach, this is just what a great actor he is. You can almost see Dr. Hausman in character sort of like realize what a dumb thing it <laughs> was to say. I really like the Awkward Sister song. So, oh, she's she's great. I love that no one likes her. Yeah. Family members, staff, no one likes the sister. Robbie doesn't even truly like her. No, Dr. Hausman literally asks her a question <laughs> and then gets up from the table, which is amazing. What are you going to sing? Gets up, goes back to the buffet. Uh, she does that. I, I thought that was great. It's like just a, yeah, it's this hula or this sort of luau style song. I think it's written for the movie. It's not a real song. Yeah. Um, she's a terrible singer. Um, and she uh, she sings during the. We finally see a clip of her singing uh, at the uh, final show, and yeah. Jerry Orbach and his wife sort of have a weird knowing. They smile, but his eyebrows raise in a fashion like Jesus Christ, she can't sing. <laughs> 
No one likes her though. Not a single person likes this poor girl. I like. I started to feel bad for her until she like badmouthed Jennifer Grey's hair, and then I was like, ah, oh, you're a bitch. Well, I like they they their relationship is really. I thought fairly realistic sister relationship where they clearly like don't aren't aren't to the point where they're they're not like the kind of sisters that like hang out and do everything together but they do cover for each other and they do yeah. like they they like are fine you know what i mean they i think that like once they in 5 years they'll be great exactly they'll they'll like talk on the phone every week you know they'll bring dad some stuff they'll decide who's going to bring dinner on sunday you know like yeah. they'll have a relationship but they're still like teenagers so they're still like kind of at each other's throats a little bit but they are like I thought that was a pretty good. I mean, it's not super like subtle or anything, but I I think they did a good job of like. No, playing I that noticed that as well. There's a scene where I think I think it's the night where she goes to actually do the mambo, the gig. Gotta go. I got a gig. It's it's a gig. It's, it's a called gig. a gig in the music business. Where she runs up right before her sister, whose name I don't, don't even know and don't want to know. Almost, <laughs> um, she runs up to her right before she's going to go into like the ballroom, and she says, "Hey, hey, hey! I need you to. I need you to do something for me." And her sister's like, "You don't tell me what to do ever. No one. You don't need me to do anything." <laughs> or I can't remember the snarky thing she says, but something to that effect. Yeah. And uh, then you know, baby tells her, "Yeah, yeah, yeah whatever." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. Our Rip her tank, whatever. Yeah. Uh, and then I've heard she just tells stick. her like, yeah. <laughs> "Tell tell mom and dad I have a headache, and you already checked on me, and everything's fine." And and then she runs away, and and presumably, the sister followed through and did that. It's it's not like a big plot point, but right. yeah, I, I I had a very similar relationship with my brother when we were kids, where there was animosity, but also like, yeah, sure, whatever. Yeah, I would never like, I would never. Well, I would tattle on Jason all the time. But he knew why. I wouldn't. It wasn't a rule that I would tattle on him. I was as a revenge tactic right. for something else he did, and he knows what he did. Well, and that's that's why you you do these things is it's not necessarily that you acknowledge that you love each other. That comes later when you mature and grow right. up. Like what you really acknowledge is that like if I do this for her, she owes me, and vice versa. And it, like it's like you know I can't just call her out because then next time I need her to cover for me, which you know the sister earlier in the movie already did. You like it's clear that this is an established thing that they do for right. each other. Um, and and she covers for her. I mean, we see that that sort of greasing the palm type deal where I mean early in the movie she you know she's gonna go out to the golf course with Robbie, the objectivist you know waiter uh, who won't pay for an abortion. Um, and and baby knows this and then you know you know covers for her again right so it's it's a, it's an understanding well there is a weird scene where she and Robbie are coming back from the golf course and they seem to be like it sounds like it looks like you know maybe Robbie made a pass or something and it got uncomfortable and they're like she's a little disheveled and like you know annoyed yeah. with him and he's sort of like bad mouthing her too and I was like oh is that already over but it's not they they continue sort of having like a yeah, it seems like... Or is it over? Do they ever actually hang out again until he's like, until she's like, I'm just going to fuck him, and then she sees him fucking some other girl? Is that the case? I'm not sure. I wasn't following that B story very well. I'm realizing that I wasn't either. <laughs> now I don't know. But we now see them together. We see them together in that brief moment, but I don't know if we see them together Between again. That. Yeah, I'm not sure either. Because, yeah, it seems like... No, we do, because uh, uh, what's his name? Jerry Orbach puts his arms uh, uh, you know, over them while they're, they're chatting, oh, right. and, and Patrick Swayze gets all up in arms about it. So we have to talk about the violent outbursts between uh, when... Between everyone. When Robbie sees them together, sees Baby and Johnny together, and then what does he say? He says something real He dickish. says, I got with the wrong sister. Oh, that's right. 
And then he says, it's okay, I've, I've done my slumming too or something. And then Johnny... While Penny is still standing right there. Yeah. And Johnny beats the shit out of him. Yeah, which is right. It is right, but also, is it? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I don't like violence. It's, it's movie always, right. Whenever you're in a situation when a fight breaks out, you're like, oh, God, this is not like in the movies. This isn't like Indiana Jones. This is terrifying and chaotic. Um, but then again, you know, I'm also for assholes being yeah. punched. Did you notice that, like, the, uh, we touched on this a little bit, the weird... Mr. Kellerman tells like a has a really weird soliloquy about the <laughs> the decline of the Catskills. It's very odd. It's sort of shoehorned in there. I mean, I feel like the last maybe twenty minutes of this movie is like they just realized the movie was ending, yeah. and they're like, "Oh shit, we got a lot of stuff we still need to do." And there's just like we have a yeah, nine minute this, dance sequence to choreograph. Somebody get <laughs> there's on this that. monologue about you know the cat skills and how people aren't going anymore. And unless like you actually researched it, but I was I, my mindset was just like, I guess the cat skills sort of resort sort of stopped after this is the only impression <laughs> I'm getting from this monologue because I don't know why why this is a moment right now. And he he has it with like the band leader uh who's an older man they're like ah you know kids today they don't want to go with their parents to you know learn arts and crafts they want to go to europe and and you know tour 22 countries in three days and i'm like yeah i guess it's a shame this this whole industry that i'm not all that familiar with (laughs) is coming to an end 30 years ago 40 (laughs) years ago 50 years ago yeah, and then yeah, there's a whole dance sequence. Then I guess Johnny like choreographed. Did he did he call from a payphone to like tell Penny, hey, like choreograph something, but let me know what the steps I'll have to do are? Because he was leaving town, but then he came back for a choreographed dance number um, that involved Baby, who had no idea that it was happening. It definitely turns into a music video at the end, which I'm Absolutely. fine well, with. Tyler, <laughs> Tyler asked if this is where MTV's The Grind got to start. <laughs> And I asked if this was the first documented flash mob. This so the weird thing also is that we talked touched on this before, but like this song, which you know he runs in with a forty five, which I appreciated. The song didn't just come from nowhere. He had the song, but it the, came straight from nineteen eighty seven. Right, they put it on a forty five, and they put it on the record player. Yeah, the song is as we mentioned before. The, this is I had the time of my life. Bill Medley, Jennifer Warren's, but it's like no. <laughs> No attempt whatsoever to make it of the time. So it was just like, is this song from the future? Like, it is really weird. Like, I never realized how kind of strange it is because it's such an iconic scene. You got the the lift and the dance. Like, it's it's really well done and it's great. But it's also, like, kind of strange that they shoehorn this movie. I mean, obviously it worked. Everybody loves it. You know, the, the yeah, song was a big one of hit. the most popular soundtracks of all time. But, like... I never realized, I think, until this time watching it through that I was like, that's weird. Because all the other 80s songs, which are a little bit weird just because you're like, oh, I was in this decade and now I'm in now times. Those are all not, they're not within the scene. They're all like just overlay songs. So this is the first one that's like in the movie and in the time. And it's Right, like, at first I thought it was an overlay song, but then Patrick Swayze sings along with it. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, this is actually happening. Okay. Yeah. There is like this very 80s the most 80s song of all time, possibly, in happening in 1963. And it is a little bit like, wait, what? And I think it's just like, the song is good, the dance is great, the whole scene is iconic, so people are like, whatever. It doesn't really matter. And that's I true. I really expected... But, yeah. 
I'm sorry. I, I expected it not to work, but it did like work on me. It works. I don't even like this song very much, yeah. honestly, because I think it's just sort of played out in my head. Yes. Uh, I'm like, it's become, it's been cliche for decades for me now. Um, but it does work like in the context, it really is effective. Yeah. I can't help it. Um, it, it really does work. They also do like an extended mix. There's like a middle section. They're doing like this whole thing. They Multiple sax and, solos. Yeah, there's, well, there's a sax solo and there's a trumpet solo, which they do on screen with one of the band members, mm -hmm. which is like, okay. And then, and then they do another sax <laughs> solo. And it was just like... Well, you got to give the sax guy a break. He yeah. gets a break every every two hours. He gets a 15-minute break. The and he gets a 30-minute break for every eight-hour shift. union sax guy. <laughs> Well, one thing I forgot is the at the very beginning, there's a bit of narration from Baby about this was the summer that I spent in the castles, and then that's it. Yep, that's me. You're probably wondering how I got in this situation. <laughs> that's exactly it. But that's it. I was yes, like, when I watched it a second time, I realized that because because I wrote in my note is oh no narration right, but it never comes back. That's it. It's like they could not figure out how to explain why she was going to the resort. Yeah. And so they were like, we've got to have a narration. Did you and then they were like, ah, fuck it. I feel like there could have been one Jerry Orbach line to be like, I know you yeah. girls don't want to go here this summer, but you're coming. You know what I mean? Well, like, here we are at the Catskills Resort that we signed up for. <laughs> oh, there's my patient. Just have Dr. Kellerman, who got us free tickets to this resort. Just have Billy do it, and then you could cut him from the rest of the movie. <laughs> totally. He gets his quota it was, in. It was very odd, and it was a weird thing, because I think the biggest flaw of this movie is that um, I don't think that Jerry Orbach and Jennifer uh, Gray's relationship, father-daughter relationship, is really fleshed out as to what it is before right. she asks him for, for the money for the abortion. So I feel like that's the weakest part of the movie is that there's, we're supposed to believe that they have a really close daddy-daughter relationship. Don't say daddy-daughter. Um, and they that that is suddenly thrown into turmoil right, by the right. events at the Kellerman Resort. Um but we never see that what that is like in a normal day-to-day -day routine. And right. so I feel like if you're going to have a ham-fisted narration, at least give me that or something. Or, you know, don't waste that time on a narration and actually have a scene of them, you know, really bonding or having a moment where they're, the rest of the family feels like left out of the, the conversation or whatever. Something like that. Yeah, the narration is weird. It, or let him do the narration. I have this great daughter much... and then I have another daughter too. <laughs> I also have other daughter, which we named other until the hospital said we could not name her that. They were like, Heather, is that close enough? <laughs> um, I feel like actually the narration accomplishes something that June, 1963 at the bottom of the screen <laughs> would have accomplished just as much. Yeah. Although the fact that her name is Baby. But her name ain't Baby. It's Francis. You're right. You're absolutely right. Miss Houseman, if you're nasty. Named after the first female member of, of of the cabinet, but her name is Baby, and the and the movie feels like we really need to explain this because it's really fucking on the nose. Yeah. Um, in terms of metaphor, not that the rest of the movie is really subtle about it anyway. They everyone just keeps calling her Baby every time they want to mock how young she is. Um, and I guess that's a real to life thing from the writer Eleanor Bergstein. Uh, was called Baby when she was a kid up until she was twenty two. Mm. But I feel like it's one of those things that just 
it's it's too cute by half on the, in this movie where I get it. She's young and they're pointing it out and she's becoming a woman over the course of one fateful summer. I got it. Would you like to talk to me at great length <laughs> about abortion? Yes. Love How'd that. How do you feel about the abortion in this movie? You mentioned it in the beginning of the movie, but it's been so long since I've seen this that I didn't really know what you were talking about. And so I just I mentioned in my opening narration of the podcast. Yes. I knew that you were, that you had referenced that there was an abortion storyline, but I didn't really know what to expect. I thought it was interesting how they did it. It sort of made sense that they're like, you know, this girl gets pregnant and then the guy is a total D about it and she can't really do anything about it and she needs money and she can't get money and, you know, all this kind of stuff. It didn't feel that shoehorned in. It felt like this is a thing that would have happened, maybe not exactly this way. And then like the abortion wasn't the point. You know what I mean? It was just that this is what happened to this woman and this is baby saw it, saw it wasn't right. Try to do something about it. They made it more about the characters in the movie, which is the whole point of a conflict, right? Which, you know, like <laughs> they didn't stop everything and, and, you know, go to the Supreme court in right. the middle of dirty dancing. Well, I don't think it really like, I think, you know, if you had to like twist my arm and be like, how does the writer feel about abortion? I was like, probably, uh, <laughs> pro Roe v. Roe v. Wade, but like, it wasn't, it didn't feel like a soapbox to me. It felt like this is 1963 and yeah. it's not legal. And she would have had potentially a questionable procedure to get it done. Mm-hmm. And, you know, lucky, I don't know. It's a good w- reason to bring the dad into it too, because he was a doctor and, you know, she realized this is more important than getting in trouble. This, this girl is you know, could die from sepsis or whatever was going on. Yeah, we never really got a full uh, idea. I, 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 I think at the beginning I was going into this, like, thinking about how my mother loves this movie, but my mother is not, she does not love abortion. Um, Nobody loves so, abortion. <laughs> and I was like, well, how does she rectify that? And I guess I... I do think that, yes, obviously, I think the movie is trying to draw a point. I don't think, like, that's the thrust of the movie, but they're trying to draw a point of, like, the experience of a woman in 1963 would have potentially been, you know, an abortion like this by a disreputable guy claiming to be a doctor. Um, But I also think that it also, if you are against abortion, it can also work as a cautionary tale. Uh, I don't think this is the writer's intent. Right. But... I'm sure if you hate abortion and you watch Dirty Dancing, you're like, well, see, this is what happens. Specifically because of the laws we put in place to, you know, prevent women from exercising their rights over their own bodies. But this is what happens. Right. Um, It is weird that, I mean, it's such a, a, a dire situation, like right in the middle of this otherwise fairly lighthearted movie. And Penny, she doesn't disappear from the movie, but like she's this like huge, like like turning point in the movie's plot. And then she seems like in terrible state, like when she gets back from, from the procedure and then Jerry Orbacher gives, gives her a shot and he's like, well, we all worked it out. I'm like, is that all that she just needed the shot or what? Well, and she also <laughs> what kind happened? of disappears from the movie after that. Cause we're now on. Yeah. To, she's just sort of like in the background. Yeah. You'd be like, oh, uh, is that Penny? Penny? There she is. Yeah. Third row back. I kept thinking of Back to the Future, which is a weird link to make. But I think, like, Back to the Future is, like, I feel like Back to the Future is about Ronald Reagan's America looking back on the decade they so idolized as being, Mm. like, peak America and saying, this is all bullshit. I think 
Back to the Future does it more explicitly, but I mean, I think a movie set, you know, made in the late 80s, looking back at the early 60s, I thought it was interesting to sort of see a movie deal with abortion explicitly, even though it is, it does feel, it's somewhat cheap in that it's just like, boop, abortion, we're done with that now. On to the mambo. Right. right. Um, But then I think about later movies, like Juno was another one that I thought of where where Juno gets pregnant and like the movie has to think of sort of a convoluted way why this independent thinking girl would not get an abortion. Like it right. has to like find a way to like sort of get her into the the plot's constraints of of course she would have the child and carry it to term. Abortion became more taboo as time went on. I feel like yeah. in movies where, you know, knocked up they they make jokes about abortion but it's never seriously considered like you know, that Katherine Heigl's character, for example, would, would get an abortion or anything like that. I, I feel like that, as as we got into the 2000s, that became more taboo. So it is kind of, it's it's yeah. unusual to see a type of movie that's like, yeah, we're going to, we're a popcorn flick, but we're going to just have a little abortion storyline here in the middle. Yeah, and it's more, yeah, I think you're right. I think it's also like the, it was obviously like very taboo and illegal, then became legal, and then, you know, it was just something that was part of, of the society and your, you know, your rights. And then as the sort of attack against that right has accelerated to now where you succeeded succeeded in many ways and, you know, have like these really restrictive bans, it's like almost back to sixties level, but still legal. And you know what I mean? It's, uh, yeah, it's interesting. I think, I think probably movies are just more inclined to just not touch it, you know, just be like, I don't want to, well, yeah, I think that the, the, it does speak to the fact that, like, in the 80s, we weren't as calcified into, like, well, Republicans are against abortion, right. Democrats are for abortion. There yeah. was a lot more intermingling, and now, you know, they've sort of drawn the line across party lines now. Yeah. And it's interesting to see this sort of glimpse of, like, no, we can we can have an abortion. Not that it wasn't controversial at the time. Yeah. I think that a lot of the, the, the studios didn't want to do this movie because of that. I thought like if they the were portion of the movie as a part of the, I don't know. I, I do agree that the, it is a little bit brushed off once it's over, but I thought I liked where it kind of fit in because, because it wasn't the point, you know what I mean? It wasn't like they're like dirty dancing is an abortion movie. You know what? It's not, it's not about that character, but is definitely a point in the movie. You know what I mean? It's definitely a plot point and it does uh, catalyze these other movements in the characters. And that could go either way. If you're like, you know, I wish they said more about it or, uh, you know, against abortion, if you're, you know, uh, pro-life or, or if you're you know, pro-choice, you know, all that kind of stuff. And it's like, I mean, you can't win. You know what I mean? If you're going to talk about it, there's no way to please everybody. So I thought they get, did a good job of just being like, yeah, this is the story. The only thing I do agree that they could have, I don't know, not just completely ignored Penny until the end when she's like, good job, baby. <laughs> Good job. Your story is touching on my story. Uh, the other weird thing, I guess, before we get to the verdict, is I'll say that Penny, like, there, there is this weird thing related to her story where for the rest of the movie, they're trying to convince us that she's not a slut. Mm. And they just like, you know, when she's dressing baby up for, for, the, for the gig, um, she says, I just want you to know, I don't like sleep around. 
you know, I really thought something was going to happen with Robbie and I wanted to, I, I think I yelled, I'm like, it doesn't matter. Even if you did sleep around, you have that right to sleep yeah. around. Uh, and I think it happens a few times more throughout the movie. I'm like, okay, everyone, let's just be cool here in 1963 up in the Catskills. Anyway, I'm done. <laughs> just wanted to get on that soapbox at the end. Want to go to the verdict? Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> Damon Xanthopoulos. Damon R. Xanthopoulos. Thank you. What is your verdict? That's what it says on my checks. <laughs> I will say that I think uh, that your inner child is not an idiot. Whoa! I think I, think I was charmed by this movie. Um, against my will was I charmed, as usual, though. Yeah, not a big fan of charm. Don't care for it. It's ludicrous. And like I said earlier, it does. I feel like it's an accurate portrayal of two morons falling in love. But but I do find it, 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 it is successful in what it's trying to do. And by the time time of my life starts playing by the end, I am hook, line and sinker in. Yeah. Yes, please. I think it could have done. I mean, it's obviously like somewhat a commentary on the 60s. And I think there are a lot of characters that sort of get brushed off, you know, Penny for one. But there's a lot of, you know, people of color who are just sort of like in the margins of the story, but never really like central to the story even though, you know, their struggle will be much more than, you know, baby and her father and, and, and Johnny Castles. But yeah, it's a, it's a good movie. It's charming. Sign me up. Dirty Dancing Havana Nights. Let's do it. Let's do it. I, on the other hand, ooh, feel that. Yes. Your inner child is also not an idiot from me. That didn't, that didn't make any sense. No, this is good. Uh, <laughs> From me. What? I think as a, as a, I think I mentioned this in the intro, like I, as a kid, I just thought of this as like a girl movie, which is just mm-hmm. a dumb thing that little boys think about anything that boys has are the worst. Romance. I also thought that about this movie there was, because I was also a boy and also in the worst. There was too many tight abs for me as a child. <laughs> there are a lot of shots of their tight abs. Then they've got tight they've abs. They've got tight so gotta abs. to them. And as a, as a, a, a flabby ab haver right now. I'm jealous now, but I, I feel like this is a good movie. I think it was... Despite the tight despite abs. Despite the tight abs. It's a good movie. It's a knock against Jennifer Grey's you. abs, you're on notice. <laughs> and that means I noticed. Um, <laughs> Swayze looking real toit as well. Swayze yes. peak Swayze looking real good. Peak Jennifer Grey. But they, uh, I thought they did a good job. I, you know, we talked about Swayze's limitations as, as an actor, but I think he did a good job. I think he he plays like a hot-headed, hot, dumb dancer guy. And it's like, yeah. Nailed it. Yeah, good job. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we talked about, we are, I feel like we already talked at length about uh, Jennifer Grey's portrayal. Love uh, Jerry Orbach as a like scary kind of dad, but loves his daughters. You know, I thought. No, he's not scary. Is he scary? He's scary looking. It's the eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> I do think I didn't get into this in the main thing, but he it is. There is like a little bit of a plot of sort of like making fun of like uh, champagne liberals of this. Yeah. You know, we're going to go freedom he, ride. We're going to go save the world. But, you know, not if it's going to make us too uncomfortable. Right. Yeah. Uh, and and she sort of calls him out on that in that that uh, very silent Orbachian scene on, at the gazebo where she says, "You only want to change the world if it's if it suits you." Yeah. 
It's a good movie. It's a good movie. I like the music. I like the I like the cheesy eighties stuff. I love the sixties stuff. I love the dancing. It's uh they I love the dirt. They promised dancing. They gave us dancing. I appreciate that. I don't think it was like too much. It's not a musical, you know? I think the end we talked about that does go on a bit like, okay, yeah, we get it. We're celebrating. I don't know. I feel like it, there was a little bit. You earned it I by the time you was, got there. I, yeah. I recognized how ridiculous it was. So ridiculous it was while also simultaneously enjoying 100%. that everyone was just having a great time. You know, Penny's dancing with a band leader. Yeah. Uh, Baby's mom is dancing with Neil for some reason. Yeah. It's just everyone's having fun. It is like the it's like the end of a musical where everybody just gets to dance on stage and you see yeah. like they were enemies, but they're dancing together because they're actors playing. <laughs> but like they I think I don't think the movie thinks this is a big serious scene or anything. They're just like no. enjoying the celebration. You know, we made it through this this movie. Let's all celebrate. You know, I, I thought it was good. I, I love it. I, I would say not only is your inner child not an idiot, but this is a good movie and I enjoyed it more than I wanted to, I think. There you have it. What do you think, everybody? Email us. Your inner child is an idiot at gmail.com. You can call or text us 615-576-0525. Leave us a message, write us a message, whatever. You can find us on all the social medias, uh, the, the Instagram. I just posted a boomerang. I didn't even know how to do that until five seconds ago. And you still may not I know still how to do it. did it on accident. I was going to do other stuff. Y- you can find us on Facebook. Uh, there's probably uh, going to be some uh, legislation against Facebook uh, down the line that's going to break it up. So you might as well get your Facebook time in now. Oh, yeah. Get that sweet, sweet Facebook yeah. time in. That's what I always say. So- get as much time on <laughs> Facebook as possible. <laughs> we're on Twitter. We, you know, we're on there, too. Sure. If you, wherever you want to, uh, to uh, rot your brain. We're there. Wherever you want to learn to resent people you haven't seen in 20 years, <laughs> we also have an account there. <sighs> oh, we didn't talk about... Oh, Damon. Damon, Damon. Oh, no. We didn't talk about Patrick Swayze's singing career. We didn't talk about... <laughs> she's like... She's like the wind. She's like the uh, She's I out of he doesn't sing like that. I didn't that. realize it was Swayze until I was reading the trivia after the fact, after my first viewing. And then on the second viewing, I was like, that's Swayze. Uh, it is definitely a song that was made. Just a fool to believe. It's also funny that like he wrote this song and then tried to shop it to multiple movies, I guess. I was reading in the trivia. <laughs> and then finally, <laughs> Terry Dancing was like, or whoever, who directed this? I already forgot. Emil Artelino. He shopped it around. Finally, the director was like, yeah, then we're putting that in the movie. <laughs> you're just we saying... A lot of songs already, so sure. You're just saying Noun and then Gremlin. You're like a child. It's in the movie. <laughs> uh, anyway, sorry. Okay. So we also want to thank our patrons for supporting the show, including... Particle Man. <laughs> Particle Man. Jonathan Day is Jonathan Day. Demon's Australian Nixon. <laughs> Heather Tuggle. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the supreme ruler of this podcast. Christine in Brooklyn. Dramatically placed hot dog. The Zesty. Joshua Nicholson. Karen Curd. Larissa Maestro. Lindsay Nell. T. Smith. Jeremy Powlin. Just Cuz. Kevin from Cleveland. Captain Jean-Luc Picard. Brandon Hardy. Are we getting quieter? Oh. <laughs> the mayor. My neighbor, Burrito. Dan McIntyre. 
and Jacob Grimm. Thank you all very, very much. We really appreciate your support. If you want to support the show like them, patreon.com slash your inner child is an idiot. Because I've got hungry ass and stomach. Wait, is that in this movie? Oh, yeah. yeah. Under the skirter and then in your thighs I got hungry <laughs> child. She liked the wind. <laughs> Uh, I love a song where half of the words are just swallowed up. Uh, I feel like we can only end this with a sax solo, so go ahead. Take it away. Is that one? Oh, you're, I like your miming. Check, miming is great on a podcast. Check my read. I'm going to check my <laughs> Check the spit valve while you're doing it. Loosen that up. My read's all messed up. I can't do it right now. I'll be. Let's do. I'll take the next take. No, that's fine. That's fine. It's nailed to the ground anyway, so we're just gonna be reading.